How's everybody doing today? Good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for being at church. We're going to jump into God's Word together. Uh, today is uh, what we call Memorial Day weekend, tomorrow being Memorial Day, and it's kind of become this weekend the official kickoff to summer in a lot of places and normally in, includes things like cookouts. How many, how many are taking some meat and putting it on a grill? Come on, let's proudly, let's, let's see those hands, all right? Uh, cookouts, family gatherings, some of us get the day off work, and although many of us enjoy Memorial Day as a day of fun, it's really designated as a day to remember. It was originally known as Decoration Day, and it started during the Civil War, all, all those many years ago, in which people were, you know, would take uh, flowers and place them on the graves of those who had been killed in battle. And then after World War I, it became a day to remember all those who have died in U.S. wars. So at some point in this weekend, uh, you know, it would be good to honor their life, their memory, and their sacrifice. There's something about us humans that I think we have a tendency to forget things. We just seem to be a forgetful people. Like you ever walk into the kitchen and then when you get in there, you wonder, why am I in the kitchen? You forget, but since you're there, you might as well grab a cookie. Come on, somebody. <laughs> right? Or you ever call someone on the phone, and I mean, it rings three times. They answer. You know who you're calling, but by the time they answer, they go, hey, how's it going? Good, good, good. Yeah, good. You forget why you called them. Anyone else? How about this one? It happens to me all the time. And listen, if you're new here, you got to give me some mercy and grace because I'm getting older. This happens all the time, church foyer, every single week. Hi, my name's Dave. What's your name? You tell me your name. Three seconds later, I forget your name. It's not that you're not important. You're very important. That's why I want to talk to you. That's why I want to look you in the eye. That's why I want to shake your hand. That's why I want to know your name. But I forget. How many else forget? How is this possible? Literally three seconds ago, you told me your name. And now... Don't ask me your name. And God forbid my wife come up and you expect me to introduce you to my wife. I can barely remember her name. I just don't know. It's, it's, I don't do it on purpose. It's just, I don't know. We just, we, we're forgetful people. And, and so we need things to help us remember. And this morning I'm willing to bet there are some really important things in your life you have forgotten. And I'm just not talking about names and phone numbers and where you put your car keys, but I bet there are some really important things in all of our spiritual lives that we have forgotten. Therefore, we're going to go into the Old Testament book this morning of Joshua. And in the book of Joshua, God knows how forgetful we are. And so he teaches Joshua and the children of Israel how to remember he teaches them how to remember, and he shows them the importance of remembering, and, and perhaps this morning the Lord will help us remember too. Let's jump right into Joshua chapter 3 and verse 7. It says, And the Lord said to Joshua, This day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And so we start our journey through Scripture. Let's give a little background here this morning. Joshua was a man born under Egyptian slavery. He is mentored by the great, perhaps one of the greatest leaders ever known in history, Moses. And he was God's choice to succeed Moses and lead the people of Israel into the promised land after Moses had died. 
Joshua's name means Jehovah saves or the Lord is salvation. And in many ways, he's an Old Testament type or shadow of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, meaning that there are similarities in Joshua's life that we will later see Jesus himself fulfill. The people of Israel had been on a 40-year journey, 40-year journey. It was a journey out of slavery And it started with a miraculous crossing of the Red Sea. And now there's one more obstacle uh, standing in the way of their promised land. And it's a river called the Jordan. It's a river that they must cross. This is a huge moment in the history of the nation of Israel. They were in slavery 400 years. 400 years. Generation after generation after generation of slavery. God had brought them out of Egypt. Now they've been on their way to the promised land for 40 years. They finally have their destiny in sight, but they're standing at the banks of the Jordan and God gives Joshua some instructions. Look at verse 8. He said, you shall command the priest to bear the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you've come to the edge of the water of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. So God tells the priests who are leading the way to get out into the river, go into the river, and and just just put your feet in there. Verse 9, so Joshua said to the children of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, by this you shall know that the living God is among you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites and the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. That's a lot of ites, ain't it? Verse 11, behold the Ark of the Covenant. Remember what the Ark of the Covenant is. It represents the presence of God. It says, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord is of all the earth is crossing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man from every tribe. And it shall come to pass, as soon as the soles of the feet of the priest who bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off, that the waters that come down from upstream, and they shall stand as a heap. It's interesting to me that God doesn't split the waters. He doesn't part the waters Before the priests step in, he only will do it after. They first have to step in. You see, sometimes we are waiting on God to do a move of the miraculous while God is waiting on us to take a step of obedience. If God tells you to do something, do it. Just look at someone this morning and say, do it. If God tells you to do something, you've got to do it. How many times is God prompting our heart to do something, say something, pray for someone, lay a hand on them, give something, buy a person's meal, you know, show someone the love of God or stand for truth? How many times is he prompting us to do things and we simply do not do them and then we wonder where our God is? I want to tell you this morning, our God is alive and well, but oftentimes he will withhold the miraculous until he gets a step of obedience. If God tells you to do something, do it. Verse 14, so it was when the people set out from their camp to cross over the Jordan with the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as those who bore the ark came to the Jordan and the feet of the priest who bore the ark dipped in the edge of the water 
For the Jordan overflows all its banks during the whole time of harvest. This is harvest season, which means the river is as high as it's going to get. God did not wait until the water got ankle deep to do a miracle. He waited until it was as high as it was going to get, and then he's going to do a miracle. Do you know that sometimes our God lets us walk through some high seas so he can get some high glory out of the miracle he does in our lives? God likes to show off a little bit. He's about to show off. See, it says in verse 16 that the waters which came down from upstream stood still. And rose in a heap. You ever seen a heap of water? <laughs> you don't describe water as a heap. But when God gets involved, it's a heap. A heap very far away at Adam. Adam was a city 15 miles away. 15 miles from where they're about to, to cross. The waters begin to dry up. It says, so the, the waters that went down into the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, failed. They were cut off. And the people crossed over opposite Jericho. Verse 17. Then the priest who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan. And all Israel crossed over on dry ground until all the people had crossed completely over the Jordan. So the priest carried the ark of the Lord into the water. Remember the ark represents his presence. And all of a sudden the waters begin to gather to one side. And as the foot of man took a step of obedience, the hand of God became like a dam holding back the water. The ground dried up and all Israel crossed over the Jordan on dry ground. What is God doing here? What is God doing here? Well, there's, there's probably a bunch of things he's doing. But in my little brain, there's at least four Number one, he's proving that he's blessing Joshua's leadership. Just like he blessed Moses and his leadership, he's now blessing Joshua's leadership. Listen, leaders are proven by their fruit. If you want to know if someone is a good leader, if you want to know if someone is worth following, you have to ask yourself, what is the fruit of their leadership? What did Jesus say? We'll be known by our what? Our fruit, right? Our fruit is going to testify of us. And so we're seeing good fruit here under the leadership of Joshua. Number two, God is also proving that he has sovereign power, even over nature, holding back the waters. I don't know about you this morning, but I'm glad that we serve an all-powerful God. Number three, God is also proving to the people that he is faithful. Listen, they've been out there for 40 years. He's keeping a promise to their families that he made 40 years ago. For 40 years, they've been hearing over and over and over again, we're going to the promised land, we're going to the promised land, we're going to the promised land. Can you imagine how many are we there yet they got? Come on, for those of us planning some, some summer vacations and road trips. Can you imagine how many are we there yet they got? And they kept hearing, God promised us a land flowing with milk and honey. God promised us a land flowing with milk and honey. There's huge grapes there. It's going to be an awesome place. And, and what is God doing? As he takes them to their destiny, he is proving that even when there's a delay, that he is faithful. And then number four, God is giving them their own miracle. You see, this is a new generation of Israel. The old generation had died off in the wilderness, and the young people needed to know that God was not just grandma's God. God was not just their uncle Billy's God. God was not just Moses' God, but he was their God too. 
Every generation needs a move of God, and our nation today needs a move of God among our young people. Church, we ought to pray that the spirit of the living God would sweep across this nation one more time. Because when the spirit of God shows up, we don't have to argue. We don't need political solutions. When the Holy Spirit of God grips the heart of a young man or a young woman, he will take them and radically transform them by the grace and gospel of Jesus Christ. It's a work that only his spirit can do. And when we pray, we ought to stop cursing darkness and start praying for the blessing of God to come and touch our young people. Anna and Cameron talked about our camps. Pray for our camps. This was an opportunity for the spirit of God to touch these kids and these teenagers. I believe it's going to be an awesome time. The children of Israel are truly experiencing a miraculous moment, and it's so significant that God decides they should do something to mark the moment. Somebody say, mark the moment. As we stated in our introduction, God knows that we have a tendency to forget. Even some of the most important moments in our lives, we forget. So God gives Joshua some more instructions. Look at Joshua 4 and verse 1. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to uh, Joshua saying, Take for yourselves 12 men from the people, one man from every tribe, and command them saying, Take for yourselves 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel. That this may be a sign. Everybody say a sign. That this may be a sign among you when your children ask you in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. And these stones shall be for a memorial to the children of Israel forever. This moment is so powerful. It's so important. It's so significant. In Israel's history that God says, Joshua, before you rush over into the next season of your life, I want you to stop for a moment and I want you to build a memorial to mark this moment. I'm not sure why, but you and I, we, it's just part of our human nature that we move on too quickly sometimes. Always run into the next thing. But before we, ever, before we ever finish this vacation, we're planning another one. Before we ever pay off this thing, we're, we're buying something else. We're, we're just always moving on real, real quickly. And I get it. I'm a goal setter. I'm a planner. I understand the desire to keep moving forward. But sometimes we do ourselves a disservice when we don't stop to mark the moment. And perhaps in our rushing on to the next thing, we fail to give God the glory Because we don't properly celebrate what he's doing in our lives right now. And when we don't build these memorials, we forget his work in us. And the fruit of our lives begins to show that we have forgotten. We are people who forget things. 
You ever forget? You ever forget things like, if you're on a diet, you ever forget you're on a diet? You knew I was going to food. But you ever do real good Monday through Thursday? Protein bars and salads and protein shakes, but something happens in your brain that erases all memory of your diet on Friday. And from Friday to Sunday, you find yourself being a monster who will eat anything that does not outrun you. Does anyone ever forget? Sometimes I forget. I just forget. I just lose my mind. Anyone ever forget maybe you're on a budget? Like you've been working the Dave Ramsey plan and you've been paying off debt and you're eating rice and beans and beans and rice and you're making progress, but something happens. Your coworker pulls up in a nice, shiny new ride and you forget. And all of a sudden you look at their new ride and you look at your old ride. And then you look at your new ride again and somehow magically you see yourself behind the wheel of a new ride. And some, somehow all the things you've learned about budgeting and stewardship, you just lose your mind. You forget you're on a mission to get out of debt. And somehow from the time that you leave work to the ride down to Team One to see Wayne Scott, you have forgotten everything you have worked for for the last two years. Anyone forget? Sometimes we we forget things like diets and budgets, but sometimes we forget really, really important things. We forget that in Christ we are a new creation. We forget that we've been cleansed from our old ways. In 2 Peter chapter 1, the apostle Peter is describing a Christian who lacks good fruit in their lives. And in verse 9, he says this, For he who lacks these things, this good fruit, is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Sometimes we forget that we've been cleansed from our past and we get lazy in our pursuit of holiness. Sometimes we forget who we are in Christ and we start to compromise on things and soon we find ourselves living like we used to live, forgetting who we are. We forget that I'm not that way anymore and you're not that way anymore. Sometimes we just forget. Often not only do we forget the good things, but we pile up the wrong things. We end up building memorials in our minds to things like unforgiveness. Every time someone hurts us, every time someone disappoints us, what do we do? We grab a rock, we write unforgiveness, we write hurt, we write bitterness on it, and we pile it up. We end up building memorials to things like failure. Every time we fail at something, we grab a rock and we write failure on it. It becomes part of our identity, and then we just conclude, this is who I am. I am a failure, and then just failure, we just pile it up, and we pile it up, and we tend to pile up negative things like grudges and failures and hurts. Some of our souls look like an episode of Hoarders, just, just piles of bad memories stacked up all over the place. I want to tell you today, it's time to get rid of those piles, and don't take them to goodwill. No one else needs to share in your misery. Take those babies to the landfill. Let them be burned. Let them be buried. If you are a new creation in Christ Jesus, the old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. You need to live like your present reality of who you are in Christ. God knows our tendency to pile up the wrong stuff. 
and to forget the work that he's done in our lives. So he says, Joshua, before you, before you guys rush over there, get 12 men. Get the biggest stones they can carry. Heave them up on their shoulder. Take them to the first place that you're going to camp. Pile up those stones. Build a memorial for what I've done. This, this promise is 440 years in the making, Joshua. Don't move on too quickly. Mark the moment. Pile up these stones. Tonight, when you lay your heads down, I want you to think about what I've done. And for many, many years to come, when your kids and your grandkids ask you, Grandpa, why these stones? Why are they here? Joshua, sit them down. Tell them about me, Joshua. Tell them what I've done in your lives. You see, God knew there was going to be more challenges in the future of Israel. Yeah, they're passing into the promised land, but there were some battles to face. And God's saying, you're going to need a memorial to help you remember my power. Help you remember my miracles. You're going to need a pile of stones to help you remember my faithfulness. You know, everyone needs a rock collection. Church, if you're facing some troubles in your life right now, I want you to look back at your stones. Remember when God walked you through some hard times before. And if he was faithful then, he'll be faithful now. Sometimes the key to today's victory is to look back at your pile of rocks and say, if God brought me through that, then he will certainly bring me through this. Often the key to today's victory is to recall the victories of yesterday. I, I, I never knew how much the Bible talked about rocks until this week. I've read this story, but then as I begin to read the story, it's, it's everywhere I look. It's rocks and stones and rocks and stones. I, I thought about a, another story in the Bible when someone picked up some stones. You remember the young shepherd boy in Israel's uh, history who God had chosen to be king. But way before he was ever king, he's just out there taking care of his father's sheep and, and his brothers were out to war. And his dad said, here, take some grilled cheese sandwiches and take them down to the front lines and check on your brothers and give them some lunch. And when he got there, he saw this huge uh, giant named Goliath taunting the armies of Israel. And the entire army of Israel, including King Saul, is afraid of Goliath. No one will go into battle. And finally, David looks at him and he says, is there not a cause? Why do we let this uncircumcised, this no covenant Philistine stand there and defy the armies of the living God? And David said, I'll take him on. And they laughed at David. They said, you're just a child. Who do you think you are? But how did David respond? He began to remember the past victories that God had given him and he rehearsed them in his mind. As he was hearing Goliath's roar, he thought about the time that he had to fight a roaring lion. And as he saw Goliath's huge hand, his big paw, he thought about the time that he had to take down a bear. And this is what he told King Saul. He said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And you know what the Bible says that David did? He went to the brook, and he chose out five smooth stones. 
David had a rock collection. Now, friends, I don't know for sure that Joshua's rock collection were David's inspiration, but he would have known the story. It was a huge moment in Israel's history, so they would have passed the story down from generation to generation. And perhaps as David is on his way to the brook, perhaps he is rehearsing that the fact he's reminding himself that I serve a God of miracles. I serve a God who's full of power. I serve a God who is full of faithfulness. And then God took one of those rocks in the hand of a teenage boy to defeat the enemies of Israel. Not only did Joshua have a rock collection, not only did David have a rock collection, everybody needs a rock collection. If you're facing some trouble right now in your life, you need to look back at your stones because your stones tell a story. And I guarantee there is a pile of them in your life. And as you look at them, your faith will become stronger and more resilient as you recount the faithfulness of your God. I'll never forget. Jeff, how are you? Good to see you this morning. I'll never forget Jeff many years ago. It was over 20 years ago. I was scared to death. Standing in my living room, Mannington, West Virginia, just lost my job. We had one child, I thought. I was so scared. I was standing, I was praying, I had my Bible out, Spirit-filled Life Bible, New King James Version, had a highlighter in my pocket, like a good Christian would. I'm so scared. I said, God, how are we going? We never, we didn't have any money. Lord, how am I gonna, how am I gonna take care of the needs of my family? Going through my Bible, Psalm 128 jumps off the pages at me. God talks about my wife in Psalm 28. God talks about my children in Psalm 28. I only had one child, I thought. Little did I know my wife was pregnant. If I'd have known she was pregnant, I'd have lost my mind. I'd have really been scared if I knew here I am, unemployed, no job, no money, and we're about to have another baby. I'd have really been scared. But that day, Psalm 128 jumped off the pages at me, and God talked to me about my grandchildren, which weren't even a thought. I was 28 years old. What are you kidding me? Grandkids. I had no idea that God was speaking prophetically to me. And on that day, he added a stone to my collection, and I added Psalm 128. And now when fear comes, I go to my rock collection and I pull out a rock that says courage on it. You've got a pile of rocks in your life. You need to look back. You need to count them. Some of us, listen, you need to look back this morning on some times you were so scared, but God gave you courage. Don't forget the times you were so scarred, but God healed you. Did you ever walk through something and you're like that guy on the, what was the uh, tiger, whatever he said, I'll never financially recover from this. You ever walk through something and you say, I'll never emotionally uh, recover from this. This is too much. I'm too hurt. I'm too battered. I'm too bruised. But now two or three years later on the other side of this, God has given you a brand new heart. God has healed you. God has touched you. Does anyone in the house even have a rock collection? Can you look back on your life? Listen, we understand this, but we forget, we forget to apply it to our spiritual lives. We understand this. You ever get when Patty and I were dating, we did a lot of driving. A lot of driving. Canada, Dr. Pepper, Alabama in the cassette player, my baby blue Pontiac Le Mans bench seat so she's as close as she can get 
We drive, we stop, we look at the creek, we pick a flower. If the Dr. Pepper can was uh, empty, we'd put the flower in the, in the Dr. Pepper can, we keep on driving. What are we doing with that flower? We were remembering. That flower is going to wilt, that flower is going to die. In a couple of days, it's, 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 it's going to be nothing, we're going to throw it away. But the day was so special. We wanted to mark the moment, so what we do, pick up a flower. How about when you go to the beach? How many crazy people get up real, real early and go looking for seashells? If you stay at the beach a week, you have a bucket that's 40 pounds. What are you going to do with those seashells when you ain't doing nothing with them? You tell yourself you're going to build something, you're going to make some crafts, you're going, you ain't going to do nothing. But the moment is so special, you go, oh, look at this. And then your spouse, oh, but look at this one. And then your kids, oh, but look at this one. 40 pounds of seashells, you come home, you're going to put them on your porch till they stink. But there is something about, you just want a memento. You just want something to help you remember. Listen, my dog does this. My dog. Sometimes my dog's smarter than we are. My dog does this. The other day I was trying to, trying to find a toy for my dog. So I, I go and uh, I'm looking through his toys. He's got a basket of toys. In the basket of toys are two sticks. Two sticks. Now I had to imagine Max, my dog. We take Max for a walk. Oftentimes he would pick up a stick. He will carry that thing as far as he can carry it. Sometimes he'll pick up a, a big stick. He's a little dog. It doesn't work for very long. But every once in a while, he'll get a small one and he can handle. And he will carry that stick. He will carry that stick. I've met Connor. I found two sticks in there. And I started thinking back. Here's, here's the only thing I can conclude is that we took Max on a nice walk. And Max found a stick. And as Max is walking, he says, today is a nice day. This is a nice walk. This is a very nice stick. I think I will take this stick home and add it to my collection. He's a dog. But he understands the importance of remembering. You know how, you know how you're getting old? You know how you're getting old? I know how I'm getting old. We like to hike a lot, right? And sometimes you go into the woods and you're, you're getting ready to do your hike and you're trying to find a good walking stick. And you find a good walking stick. And that stick stays with you for hours. It helps you figure out how muddy something is. Helps you figure out how deep the stream is. Helps you a little bit when you get a little wobbly like me. Keep your balance and all this. But when you're done with a walk, here's how you know when you're, you're getting old. When you're done with a walk, you get to the trailhead. Your car's right over here. And you look at this stick. You say, boy, I hate to throw you away. You've been a good stick. How many does this? You've been a good stick. You know what? I'm going to leave this stick for someone else. And sometimes when you go hiking, you'll see that an old guy has went before you because at the trailhead, there'll be two or three good sticks up there. Now listen to me. Where are you when you're hiking? You're in a forest. What is the forest full of? Sticks, right? It's not like there's a shortage of sticks. You just understand that it's the power of remembrance, and you don't want to throw that day away. You don't want to throw that memory away. And I just want to look at this church today that sometimes we are so uptight and so I ain't going to do nothing today. I don't care what that pastor does. I don't care what that praise team dumb. Don't expect me to say amen or stand up or lift my hands. And I just want to remind you where you came from. 
I just want to remind you that you too have a rock collection. Don't forget the time when God saw you through. You did not know how you were going to walk through that situation. You felt like it was the end of your world or the end of your life. But now here you are five or ten years later. You can look back in your rock collection and see that God was faithful. You forget the time when your reputation was trashed, but God vindicated you and you saw firsthand that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. I know you're smiling now, but two years ago your world was falling apart. Does anybody remember the time that God brought you through? That's a stone in your collection. Does anyone remember the time that, uh, you know, you couldn't pay your bills, but somehow God provided for you? That's a stone in your collection. Does anyone remember the time that God touched your body and healed it? That's a stone in your collection. How about the time you thought your marriage was over, but God in his mercy and his grace stepped in the stony heart between husband and wife and he put love back into your relationship again that is a rock in your collection does anyone remember the time where you had no peace and you thought you were about to lose your mind but the God of peace showed up and peace began to flow like a river that is a rock in your collection I wish someone would stand to their feet and give God praise today for what he's done in your life listen I feel like I'm trying to pull some praise out of you. I said the Bible says a lot about rocks, right? What did the Bible say? He said, if my people won't praise me, the very rocks will cry out and give me praise. Don't you dare stand there after what all God has done in your life and let a rock praise in your place. Come on, give him a shout of praise today. God, you've been good to me. You've been good to me. You've been better than I've been to myself. Man. Keep on reading what the Bible talks about rocks. It says that you and I are living stones. It says that Jesus Christ is the chief cornerstone. He's the one we build our lives on. If you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with God through his son, Jesus, that cornerstone was sent from heaven to love you, to serve for you, to die in your place, to shed his blood and give you new life. Can we bow our heads this morning before we leave here? If there's anyone in the room that needs to begin or renew a relationship with Jesus. Now is your moment. Just say, Lord Jesus, I need you today. Come into my life. I want to be born again. I want to put my faith in you. Put my hope in you. I want to put my trust in you. Forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me of my past. Make me yours. God, for all of us, we admit today we are people who forget. We forget so easily. God, today, would you bring to remembrance the 
the stones in our rock collection. Would you bring to remembrance all the things you did in our lives? And may it produce in us a harvest of thanksgiving, a harvest of praise, a harvest of worship. Thank you, Lord. I pray for anyone going through a difficult time, difficult season in their lives. God, today, would you take them back? Would you help them rehearse some previous victories, Lord? Would you help them relive some previous miracles, God? So that their strength today might be renewed. So that their faith God would just come up another level Lord they would be resilient Father because they know that you have overcome the world we give you thanks and we give you praise in Jesus name Amen stay standing for just a minute a couple of months ago I did not write this sermon because of this but I want to mention it a couple of months ago got approached by a couple of ladies in the church and they said hey we want to do these rocks and call them crossroads rocks we want to paint them we want to put a bible verse usually on the back of them we want to put a little label on them and ask people to share them to facebook i think we've got some pictures here today and so all over our region now people have been finding these rocks <laughs> and it says love ran red and just go through them here so if you're out in the community, you find one of these, take a picture, post it on the Facebook page, Crossroads Rocks. Now I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not an artsy guy, okay? Last thing in the world that interests me, no offense, is painting a rock, all right? I'm just being honest with you today. When they asked me about it, I was like, hey, if, if God's laid that on your heart and you want to do it, I don't have to do it, you do it. But I can't tell you how blessed I am by seeing pictures of these rocks, all over our region and people are saying that that they're encouraged that they're blessed when they find one of these rocks it was something they needed to hear they look up the scripture and it was something that they needed to hear it gave them strength so if you're an artsy person who is interested in painting some rocks join crossroads rocks and you can check that out again until this week as i'm studying for this message i didn't know how much the bible says about rocks it says a whole lot about rocks he is the rock of our salvation